seven, or from championship number six. Jordan, open, Chicago with the lead! Washington, outside left, Roethlisberger, has time, throws to the back of the end zone, and it is Remaining. And they're putting Curry in the pick and roll, trying to get him on Irving. Irving and Curry, one on one. Irving puts it up. It's good. Kyrie Irving from downtown. We're sending it in, Jerome. That's for damn sure. Yes, yes, yes. What is up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of the Tap Room Sports Podcast. This is the College Football Conference Championship Preview and Pick Show. We're on a special day on Thursday. I had dad duties last night. I was uh, at a nutcracker rehearsal till about 11 o'clock. So, you know, it is <laughs> it's what you got to do sometimes, man. But we're, we're, Oh, man, that sounds like that before. Yeah, my phone died. But luckily all the games were over by the time my phone died. I was watching watching some games all night. But, uh, no, I'm excited to be here. Got a good show on deck. We're going to be breaking down... Um, Pretty much all of the conference championships this weekend. Um, we are being brought to you by Tavour. Make sure to go to Tavour.com or download the Tavour app straight to your mobile device and use promo code TAPROOM for $10 off your first purchase of $25 or more. That's craft beer delivered straight to your front door. You don't even have to leave your seat. How great is that? That being said, Irv, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Nice. Oh, by the way, everybody, this is Swerving Irvin Washington. I did not introduce him correctly. <laughs> My fault. I'm Jordan Stacks on Stacks on Stacks. Lats, yes. College football, we have made it to the end. Um, we're here, man. Conference championship weekend. College football playoff committee put out uh, basically their second to last rankings. Um, Georgia, number one. Michigan, number two. TCU, number three. USC, number four. Ohio State falls out after losing by 20 to Michigan at home, and then Alabama hanging in there at six. Committee just dying to find a way to fucking get them in. Um, yeah, I see why uh, Shannon Sharp calls it the Alabama Invitational. Yep. No, it's a. There's no way they should be six, dude. I mean, what is Alabama's best win this year? Texas A&M. Uh, Texas, no. Um, Texas minus Quinn Ewers that they should have lost that game. Yep. That and maybe what they probably gonna give them. Then they beat Ole Miss. Yeah, they did beat Ole Miss at home. That might be their best win, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, this motherfucker yawning already, dude. (laughs) That's their two best wins. Yeah, it's um, it's total insanity. Like, there's been a lot of conversation going on the last couple days about. You know, if TCU and USC lose, does Ohio State and or Alabama deserve to jump them and get in? And the argument can be made no. I mean, TCU has more top 25 wins in Alabama. You know, this would be their only loss, right? Alabama lost twice to the two best teams they played. And while you can make an argument, you know, they lost those games on last second plays, they still lost, right? And their best win, like you, like we just talked about, probably Ole Miss or Texas minus Queen Ewers on the road. Um, you know, USC, 
you know, their only loss so far to Utah on the road in a hostile environment. And again, they lose on the last play, basically. They lose by one point. Um, And then you have, you know, they beat the dog shit out of Notre Dame. They overcame a lot of adversity in that UCLA game, managed to win that game. Um, And, you know, their only losses to a team playing in the conference championship of that conference, right? So I think when you look at it from that perspective, like I do think that there's arguments to be made for both TCU and USC to remain in, even if they lose their conference championships. However, if USC does lose, I don't think they're going to remain in the top four. They not. I think the only a lot of pundits and you know um, analysts been saying like the top three might be safe even if they lose because they're all undefeated and they all have a stronger resume than any one loss team or two loss team in the in the in the in the, in the um, country in the nation. And that's facts. So that's why they saying even if TCU were to lose a close game, a lot of people think they will still be four. And if USC win, that they will move up to three. But they, they know, they thinking for a fact that even if Georgia or um, Michigan lose, that they won't be knocked out to playoffs for Alabama or Ohio State. Well, if Michigan loses to a Aiden O'Connellist Purdue team, they absolutely <laughs> deserve to not be in the playoff dude. But I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen either. But you know, you never know. You never know. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. Also wanted to bring up that, uh, you know, a lot of speculation about Deion Sanders. Yahoo Sports reporting today that he told recruits that he's going to choose a school by Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, new destination. Uh, other reports came out today that it is down to Cincinnati and Colorado. With a lot of people speculating, a lot of uh, respectable college football people re- speculating that he is going to Colorado. Okay. So if he goes to Colorado, that means um, the wide receiver coach from Cincinnati is probably going to go to Michigan. Yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee. I'm just saying uh, it's all speculation at this point. So don't take my word for it. I'm not quoting any sources, uh, but apparently it is down to Cincy and Colorado. I did see somebody f- like close to the Cincinnati program today, though. They did tweet out that Cincinnati has not offered Deion Sanders the job. Yeah, I know they interviewed. For I know for a fact they interviewed this fucking Brent, guy. They they interviewed Brian Hartline, so I think he's in position to get the job. Now, if Dion does go to Colorado, that means they made a total commitment to NIL new facilities, the football program, the boosters are getting back in tow because that's been the problem under the last three head coaches. Yeah, I mean, their facilities, I mean, it's been noted that they're probably the worst in the Pac-12. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's been a, I mean, they're definitely a fucking dog shit power five program. Like, (laughs) it's crazy to me that, like, I'm sitting here and I'm saying, like, dude, if I had the choice between Cincinnati and Colorado, like, it's a no-brainer to me I'm going to Cincinnati. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's already an established culture there, right? You're coming off uh, Fickle, who took them to a college football playoff already, and then you bring in Dion's brand. You know, kids want to play for him. So Mm -hmm. it changes everything. Um, I do wonder, though, Irvin, and I wanted to ask you this, is like, you know, 
are we certain that Dion is going to succeed at the Power Five level? I think it's a slam dunk. It might take him a year or two to get the players that he need and uh, build the culture that he wants and, you know, the talent. But uh, he can lead Jackson State to -to back-to-back double-digit victories. And I think this is going to be their first undefeated season in school history or first undefeated season in 50 or 60 years if they win on, I think they play Friday or Saturday. Yeah, yeah, because he's going to build an elite coaching staff He's going to automatically have the cachet with recruits, especially DBs, even anybody that plays defense or offense. He played both at a high level. I think he was a – was he a Pro Bowl wide receiver too? Well, he could have been a Pro Bowl could wide receiver been, or all pro, but, yeah, he's hands down the, a top five defensive player of all time, the greatest cornerback that ever lived. So, yeah, when you had a name Deion Sanders, it just – Builds in ultimate cachet. Now, is Colorado the job I thought he was going to take? Absolutely not. But he, it also depends on where Colorado is going to. Is the Pac-12 going to fold and they get back into the Big 12? Or would they have to join like the Mountain West or a group of five, American Athletic Conference, something like that? So I think his, his tenure also depends on where they're going to be. Is it still going to be a Pac-10, 12? Well, they ain't going to be a Pac-12 unless they add two more schools because you got UCLA and USC leaving. So it just depends on where he's going to be. But, yeah, I have no doubts that Deion Sanders is going to uh, thrive and build a good program anywhere he goes in the Power Five. Yeah, the only reason why I ask is because, like, you know, really based on talent, like Jackson State is a lot more talent than anybody at that level, right? And yeah, then because of him, for sure, because of him, because he got his son there. His son was like a five, four star quarterback recruit who mm-hmm. who could have gone to any power five school probably. And he's being uh trained by Tom Brady. Yeah, and then uh you know so that brings in a little bit, but I mean like you know his son only has. He could go to the NFL draft this season if he wanted to. Um, but, you know, I, the only reason why I ask is because, like, once he gets up to that Power 5 level, he's he's competing against the the Alabamas, the Ohio States of the world, the USC's, the Texas's. You know, it's a, it's a different playing field, man. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And especially at Colorado, dude, like that's no easy task, bro. Like that's that yeah, not Boulder is a great campus. They real they do have a strong alumni base when they are invested in the football program, but we haven't seen that for years. I think the last time we actually seen them be an actual good program, like for three or four years when they had that one coach, I can't think of his name, but they fired him prematurely. Um, I think they even made the Pac-12 championship game. I was under uh, what's his face Hawkins from when he was a the dude from Boise State. No, it was um it was the D coordinator Jim Levitt. Remember he they fired. Oh, that's him, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went to Oregon, but I think he had coached him to like a ten win season or nine ten win season or back to back nine or ten win seasons. Yeah, but that was the last time it was actually pretty good. So when they had uh what's up, boy Lavisca Chenault and all them, so. Yep. I think they can get back to that with Prime. He just has to – they just got to give him what he needs to build him up to that level. And with the transfer portal now, you've seen what Lincoln, Lincoln Riley did in 11 months, well, a year at USC. So he took a 4-8 and eight team to 11-1 and one 
and on the cusp of a Pac-12 championship and a playoff appearance, first in our history. So, yep. I think I'm not saying the turnaround gonna be that fast because he won't come in with the cash of the brand of USC. But you gotta say give him a year or two or two years, maybe three, and he'll definitely have him bowl bowl eligible. They definitely won't be one in ten and getting beat by forty damn near every game <laughs> except for one. So. Yep. Yeah, no, it's uh it's ugly out there in Colorado, mm-hmm. man. That's a it's a good program, man. They once won a national championship in the nineties, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they almost won back to back championships. That was no joke. Yep, that was a good good program. Eric Bienemy and uh what's the other dude they had? Mike Pritchard. Um mm-hmm. they also had uh the quarterback at Cordell Stewart yep, at one Cordell. point. Yep, that was a good team. Um, all right, let's talk about some of these games. So let's talk about the first one. We have uh, we have a couple games on Friday. Well, we have two conference championships on Friday, and then we have a makeup game in the MAC on Friday as well, um, which we're not going to talk about because that game has zero meaning to this week. <laughs> um, and we're not going to talk about the Conference USA Championship just because you know UTSA is definitely the best team in that conference. I think bar none. Um. And they're playing North Texas, so North Texas lost to UNLV. It is what it is. Anyways, let's talk about the Pac-12 championship. We got Utah and USC playing out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be lit. At um, Allegiant Stadium. Yep, at Allegiant Stadium. Utah comes into this game 9-3 and three straight up, 7-5 and five against the spread, 6-6 six and six to the over. USC comes in 11-1 and one straight up, 8-4 and four against the spread, Nine and three to the over. Um, currently, USC, depending on the book, they're minus two, minus two and a half. So lane two, lane two and a half, depending on where you're at. Um, the totals at sixty-seven on the money line. USC a dollar forty-five. Utah plus a dollar twenty-five. What's your thoughts on this game? I already know where you're going with it, but what's your thoughts on this game? Oh no, it's gonna be. I think it is going to be. It should be a good game, but. If you if Utah played like they've been playing the last couple of weeks outside of um, Colorado, Colorado, it might get ugly because um, Cam Rising looked horrible against uh, Oregon against Oregon, and and he didn't look. I mean, he looked. He threw what three interceptions? Yeah, was, I think he had one interception. I mean, one touchdown, three interceptions, and for the most part, they held Kincaid and um and uh in check. Now, a big thing with him is he up. did go out last game due to those bruised ribs. So I don't know how how effective he's going to be if he's 80, 85%. If I was USC, I would test him out early and often. And I don't think they're going to let him beat them the way they did the first game because they pretty much just played man or zone on him, and he was able to just find a soft spot. Well, when they Kincaid probably started have to going bracket off. him like they did the uh, Notre Dame tight end, honestly. When Kincaid started going off in that game, though, that was when Gentry went out. That's true, too. So that's another thing I would say, put Gentry on him and then have a bracket over the top because none of the other Utah weapons are a threat besides Vele. He's all right, but he's not going to beat you to the point where you got a game plan against him. Um, they are they they did lose their top running back, uh, Tavion Thomas, to the NFL. He withdrew from school and is going to focus on his draft. Yeah, after so he, that's a big blow after to that he knocked out another running back on the team. Huh? <laughs> he knocked out another running back on the team. They basically kicked him off the team. So 
him him leaving basically leaves him with I think two freshmen is in a walk on. So I think I don't know, man. It's not looking good for Utah, especially if Cam Rising doesn't play like he did in um early October. If he doesn't play like he did that game, I can see this game getting ugly because ever since that game, Utah has been going like this, like even in like now I wouldn't say bottoming out, but just not getting better. And, uh, and like evening out and just playing good enough to win games, and they've been super banged up. It's like they put everything into that game. Yep. And USC lost by one point. Hostile environment. They had that little. Um, they had to tribute to the two players that they lost due to gun violence, so that had them at a, a all time high. Had the helmets on. So I think they put a lot into that game, and ever since then USC has just been going like this especially Caleb Williams, been on a tear. And I don't see this defense being able to do anything to slow him down. Outside of Clark Phillips being matched up on Jordan Addison, he might. But even then, he wasn't slowing Jordan down like that. Jordan got hurt that game. So I also think a big thing to take away from this, and, you know, there's a lot of Utah fans out here in Vegas today, and I was talking to one today, and he was saying, like, you know, ever since that USC game, Utah's defense has been playing a lot better. And it's true, you know, they have been. But it's also, like, you look at their schedule and look who they've been yeah, playing. Yeah, who they played. And they played up a banged-up Bo Nix, too. It's not like they played a healthy Oregon offense, you know what I mean? But, I mean, they, they be, uh since since beating USC 43-2042 to 20, at home, they played Washington State on a Thursday night. They won 21-17. to 17. Washington State fucking sucks. They played Arizona at home, beat them 45-20. to 20. They played Stanford at home, beat them forty-two to seven. Stanford is was in is in shambles. Yeah, they played Oregon at Oregon, and they lose twenty to seventeen. And they played Colorado at Colorado, beat them sixty-three to twenty-one. Everyone beat the dog shit out of out of Colorado. USC, on the other hand, you look at who they've played since that game. Arizona banged up, win forty-five-seven. Uh, then they play Cal forty-one thirty-five again. They played shorthanded too beat the dog shit out of Colorado, and then they played two of the toughest games back-to-back in UCLA and Notre Dame, and they won both those games. And, you know, Notre Dame's a big rivalry. Notre Dame's a very physical team, too. Very physical team, and they beat the fucking dog piss out of them. Yeah. So you look at this, and I would say USC coming into this game is a lot more battle-tested than Utah. On top of that, they have the revenge factor, you know? They lost a close game at Utah, which they probably should have won if it wasn't for two dog shit fucking roughing the passer <laughs> penalties. I mean, I'm being serious, dude. Like, those yeah, are- those honestly, I've never seen two penalties change a game more than what I saw in that game, and both of those penalties were, they were terrible. They were terrible, especially the last one because it would have been fourth and long, and there was only like four minutes left. You know, yep. if you if USC goes and- down and scores again, it's a f- fucking ten point game. The game's over. And the first one, we was up twenty-one to seven. Yeah, we got it. that picked. That helped them get another touchdown. Made it twenty-one to fourteen. So the ref pretty much gifted them fourteen points yep. in that game. And that I don't think that's going to happen again, especially when they don't have the home cooking. So and I don't, and honestly, I'm being honest. Even if I wasn't a USC fan, the only reason why that game was so close, the first game, because Utah was at home. Yeah, I mean, Utah is one of the toughest places to play in the country, not just the Pac-12, in the country. 
That's a very difficult place to play. Number one, you're playing in elevation. Number two, they are loud, dude. They have a good yeah. fan base. They have a really good fan base. So it changes a lot, right? But now USC, ha- they're playing great, great football. Caleb Williams is the front runner for the Heisman Trophy right now. And he's definitely the best quarterback in the country. He doesn't turn the ball over at all. The offense doesn't really turn the ball over at all. And they create a lot of fucking turnovers. I think that this game, it's probably going to be similar to the first one, dude. It may come down to who has the ball last, right? But yeah. at the end of the day, if I if this is a two-point game, give me the better quarterback, dude. Yeah. It has nothing to do with being a USC fan. Like, in a close game like that, I'm going to take the better quarterback 25 times out of uh, 100. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we've seen I mean, Cam Rising only rose to the occasion once, and that was against USC at home. Yeah. He folded on the road against Florida Florida, and Oregon, and maybe he's showing his true colors. Maybe he can only perform when his home cooks because maybe he looked terrible against Oregon, and Oregon defense is playing nowhere near as good as USC's right now. Yeah, that's a great point. That's definitely a great point. USC's defense, uh, you know, looked really good against against Notre Dame. Um, they really sold out for the run and kind of let them kind of throw the ball, which yeah. is different from what they normally do. They normally can't stop the run for fucking shit and then, <laughs> you know, create a lot of turnovers. But, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I just – I don't understand, like, in a, a one-point game scenario – in Utah, and Utah gets like four points usually for home field advantage. Now on a neutral field, you're telling me USC only minus two. I'm only laying two. I got the best quarterback in the country. Yeah, no. yeah. Give me a USC all day. Easy. And they got a win to get in the fucking college ball playoff. And they got yeah. the better fucking head coach. In my opinion. We might be watching. It could. I'm telling you. It, I'm. I'm expecting a good game, but it can't get ugly tomorrow. Trust me. I mean, any game can get ugly. It can get out of hand. I definitely think it's going to be a good game. I'm not sitting here and saying like USC is going to fucking run away, f- fucking forty five to twenty. Obviously, nah, there's they, a possibility. They, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a possibility that could happen on either side, but I highly doubt it's going to be a blowout. The only way. It's going to be a blowout if Cam Rising plays like he did against Oregon and gives USC three turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you, you can pack this game up. It's not going to be close. Unless the refs help him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Pac-12 refs, they too, I never had nothing good to say about them, probably never will. And it's crazy because if you look at the Notre Dame game and every other game USC played, you can automatically tell that those wasn't Pac-12 referees. Yep. That's uh, true. Um, all right, let's move on to our next game. Uh, we got the Big 12 Championship on Saturday. This is a 12 p.m. Eastern kick, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is going to be at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. We got the Kansas State Wildcats heading in to face the TCU Horn Frogs. Kansas State comes into this game 9-3 and three straight up, 8-3-1 and one against the spread, 6-6 six and six to the over. And TCU comes in 12 and 0 straight up, 9 2 and 1 against the spread, 7 and 5 to the over. Currently, TCU laying 2.5 points, the total 6.5 on the money line. TCU minus $1.30, Kansas State plus $1.10. It's a tough one, man. Kansas State already lost to TCU before, 28 to 38. You know, if you've listened to the show, you, you've heard Irv and I both talk about this 
previously, you know, Kansas State really lost that game because they lost both their starter or they lost um, Adrian Martinez and then they lost uh, Will Howard in the same game. Basically, ended up blew an eighteen point lead. End up losing that game. What do you think about the Big Twelve Championship? There's another revenge spot. Yeah, another revenge spot is always tough to beat a team twice. Honestly, so it is. Um, yeah, it's gonna come down to is TCU gonna play like they did against Iowa State, or they is gonna be, or they gonna be that team that we've seen all year that barely squeaks by and gets a win at the end of a game because of a turnover or an injury or <laughs> them rushing rim running on the field with nine seconds left to kick a walk off field goal. So that was crazy, bro. They should have lost that game too, dog. <laughs> Baylor fucking, I mean, just so Dave Aranda, I mean, so unlike Dave Aranda and the fact that, like, his defense couldn't fucking stop him at all. At all. She was nasty. Especially in the second half, it was just, a, it was like a free-for-all. I think it's in the fourth quarter, they well, they scored, like, two or three touchdowns apiece, something like that. Yep. It was, uh, wasn't good for Dave Aranda, Mr. Dave Aranda, who I yeah, really so wanted I think- as a USC head coach, by the way. Yeah, I think that this game is going to come down to the fourth quarter and it's basically going to come down to the QB play. Now, I don't know how healthy Adrian Martinez is, but TC, I mean, Kansas State have been looking good with Will Howard. They're definitely a better passing team, a more of a passing threat with Will Howard at quarterback, not taking anything away from Martinez, but Martinez' legs makes him next level. So will they try to do like a two-quarterback system? Or are they going to ride the hot hand and try to uh, come up with the upset? Now, this team did have TCU down 28-10, to 10, and two starting quarterbacks went out. So, Kansas yep. State defense is good enough for them to win this game, hands down. Yep. I also but, think they have the better coach. Yeah, and they got a, and they got a nice running back. That kid is, is, is super-duper nice. Yep. He uh... – He's hella good. Yeah. So, and he's a threat in the backfield, in the Deuce. slot. So, I expect a lot of points to be scored this game, too, especially it's going to be at Jerry's World and it's going to be in a controlled um, field. You don't got to worry about the elements. The temperature's going to be perfect. The field's going to be perfect. So, honestly, I see a shootout and I see it coming down to whoever has the ball last or last second field goal. I'm thinking like 41 38, uh, 42 45. Well, I mean, 48 to, to 45, probably a game like that. You look at the like the data, and it's like, you know, Kansas State definitely has a better defense of the two teams, for sure. You look at TCU's defense, you know, 82nd in uh, predictive points added on rushing the ball, 73rd in success rate, 66th in explosiveness. Uh, you look at passing play, they're 124th in explosiveness against a pass. Um, they are definitely better defending the pass, but they're not as good defending the run. You look at Kansas State's defense on the flip side. I mean, they're they're pretty solid all the way around in defense. I mean, they're they're top quarter of the league of the country in defense. And, and co- considering who they've played in the Big Twelve, I think you got to take that into consideration. I think the biggest thing here is that you know TCU has risen to the occasion all season long. You know, we could say like. They've been lucky and, 
You know, they face a lot of teams early on that lost their starting quarterbacks. And, and all of it's true, dude. It is very true. But, you know, that Baylor win, you know, Baylor's not that good of a team. Should they have come They're down not, to a field that goal? That game should have never been that close. I don't see how they needed a walk-off field goal to beat Baylor. But they come in the okay. next week and just absolutely boat, boat race one of the best Iowa defenses State. in the country. Not just the Big 12. I think Iowa State only gives up like barely over 300 yards a game. Yup. No, they, I mean, they beat the fucking dog shit out of them. Yeah, they smoked them and it wasn't close. I think in the first quarter it was like 24 to 7 or 28 to 7. Yeah, no, it was, it was never close. That game was over before it started, basically. Yeah. I was really hoping that this line was going to be like three and a half, dude. And I was going to fucking just hammer the dog shit out of fucking Kansas State. At Mm -hmm. two and a half, though. I don't love it, but I still lean. Uh, I still lean Kansas State here, and honestly, you know, Adrian Martinez is questionable, and I don't know if Will Howard like Will Howard may be the better option in this game. To be honest, yeah, because of when let's be honest, when Adrian's in, they're going to key in on the run. They're going to stack the box. They're going to make him throw the ball. And the last thing that made Adrian do that, I think he turned the ball over two or three times, and that was Texas. And that was enough for Texas to win the game. So you kind of have a game plan against Martinez. But Howard is the wild card because he can throw, and he's still a threat with his legs. He's not a big threat like like, um, Martinez is, but he's going to make you respect his legs because he can pull, he can run the RPO. And if you get lackadaisical, at any moment with him, the kid has a nice arm. He can make pretty much. He can make any throw on the field. Yeah. Now he does struggle um, moving, throwing the ball on the run. He got to get better at that. But as far as like pocket awareness and making the throws that he need to make on time and getting the ball to an open man, he does that a lot better than Adrian Martinez. So it'll work better. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it'll work better at TC in TCU's favor if Martinez is playing. Yeah, I agree. Then, I 100% agree. And Howard, because Howard opens up the whole offense and the whole playbook. I I agree 100%. Like, it's almost a better option. I mean, it is a better option. It's not almost. It is a better option for Kansas State to play Will Howard. Um, but obviously, you know, Adrian Martinez has a ton of experience. Yeah. So he's going to get the nod. Yeah, they're um, definitely going to see what he, what he can do. They're not just going to – they got him questionable. They're going to probably trot him out there and see what he can do before going to Will, Will Howard. Yep. So who do you lean on this one? Uh, I'm going to bet the over, but if I had to choose, like you said, I've been picking against TCU all year, and they haven't been losing. <laughs> so I think if I had to, like, bet, bet, like choose a team, I would lean by the slightest margin TCU. Yeah, it's a it's it's a close one for me, dude. It's a, this is a total toss up, but I love that over that over sixty two. I think this game is going over sixty two easy. Yeah, it should be a should be one of those kind of games, dude. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, like Kansas State defense is so good, like they could literally stop them. Yeah, they can, but I expect this game to get wild in like the, the third. The and Baylor quarter, game right? went under sixty two. Irving. Yeah, it did, but Baylor offense is horrible compared to <laughs> compared to uh Kansas State. Compared to Kansas State. They don't have the weapons, they don't have a running back, they don't have a court neither quarterback. 
Yeah, both true. of the, both of the Kansas State quarterbacks are better than Blake Shapin. So, yeah, Blake Shapin really. I mean, he started off the year so good, and then he just kind of just fell off, dude. Yeah, it's just it, I don't know if it's the play calling, the offense, or him just not trusting his teammates. Well, he's a, that dude left so much on the field. They should have won that TCU game. He easily. cost them that TCU game. Straight up, he cost them that yeah. game. He cost them that, those three plays in the fourth quarter, that third and six, that third and eight, and I think it was a third and 11 where he could have ran for the first down and he tried to throw it to the tight end. Yeah, dude, dude was tripping. Well, there was a play in the first quarter where they were already up 7 nothing. They had the ball. He had a fucking receiver wide open down the field, doesn't even see him, and fucking throws the <laughs> ball away on third down, dude. And they go to kick a field goal, and the kicker misses it. Yeah, I don't know if it's Grimes. Him and Grimes got to get on the same page. But, yeah, he he caused Baylor big time this season because that defense was good enough to play with anybody. Well, Besides besides uh, BYU, BYU killed him. So did Oklahoma State. They couldn't Oklahoma stop State, Oklahoma. too, yeah. They couldn't stop Oklahoma State for shit. Um, all right, let's move on to our next game. We got the Mountain West Championship between the Boise State Broncos and the Fresno State Bulldogs. Fresno State uh, is heading into Albertson Stadium to face Boise State. This is the one conference championship that is not played on a neutral field. Um, Fresno State comes in eight and four straight up, five and seven against the spread, seven and five to the over. Boise State's nine and three straight up, six five and one against the spread, six and six to the over. Fresno State comes in catching three. Uh, the total is fifty four and a half on the money line. Fresno State plus a dollar thirty five. Boise State minus a dollar sixty. Very down year for the Mountain West. Obviously, Boise State comes in. Um, you know, Bach, Hank Bachmeyer is their starting quarterback to start the year. Things go awry. Um, they fire the offensive coordinator. Hank Bachmeyer enters the transfer portal two games, three games into the season. Um, and then they bring in, um, what's this kid's name? The the kid that can't throw. Um, oh, my He's God. He's been throwing better as of late, the last four games. Yeah, he he definitely has been uh he's he definitely has been better. Taylor Green. Taylor yeah. Green is is his name. He's they've been a much better team, dude. A much better team as of late. Um they've really figured stuff out and they they played to their strengths to be honest. But what's your thoughts on this game here? Uh before I get into the game, Mountain West, please do better. There's <laughs> no reason why a conference championship game should be played at any team's home field that's too much of an advantage in a conference championship game for me especially Boise State that blue field it uh does something to that team yep but now breaking down this game they have, um, true home, they have like one of the best home field advantages yeah for like the last 10 15 years they have probably one of the top four or five home field advantages in college football also, shout out to the Boise State Broncos because I did take them over nine and a half wins. Um, after the first three weeks, dude, I was I, I did not think it was gonna hit. But well, well they had nine now. You mean eight and a half? Uh, yeah. Sorry, eight and a half wins. After the first three weeks, I did not think it was gonna hit, dude, <laughs> at all. I was like, "Fuck, dude, this might have been the worst bet I ever made." Because I did, yeah. I did think that these were going to be the two best teams in this conference. And to be honest, if if Jake Hayner doesn't go down, this game's probably being played in Fresno State. Yeah, I agree. But we're here he in Boise. What he missed four or five games. Yeah, he missed a lot, dude. And they they yeah. lost a few of those games. Um, I mean, this team is just not the same. And ever since he's come back, 
I mean, they beat, they've been beating the fucking brakes off of teams, dude. Since he came back for the uh, Hawaii game, 55 to 13 against Hawaii. Against UNLV, 30 to 37. That was a close game. That was a good one. Nevada, 41 to 14. And it should it was really 41 to 0. Nevada got two fucking garbage time touchdowns. Uh, against Wyoming, 30 to nothing, dude. This is uh, Jake Hayner, phenomenal quarterback. But this is a tough task going into Boise. Going into Boise, that's the only reason why I'm not picking Fresno State to win this game, honestly, because Boise are at home. And that Hayner is a special enough QB to get the job done, but he also has to lean on his defense too because he can't just go out there and win this game by himself. And Mims is a good running back, but, you know, Boise's offense is not explosive as it once was with as far as playmakers on the outside. They're more of a, you know – I wouldn't say dink and dunk, but they're more of a, you know, ball control, move the ball on offense and get touchdowns, especially when they get in the red zone. Yep. Um, and that kind of plays into Boise State hands because Boise State has a real good defense and they can really get after the passer. And the weakness of the Boise State offense is their O-line. They have been playing better as of late, but the the, the guard and the two tackles are a question mark. So I don't know if they hold up in this game, and man, and uh, Boise State run game is is deadly. Yep, and, and that's Fresno State's weakness. And that's Fresno State weakness. They give up basically one sixty on the ground every game, and Boise runs for one ninety. So can they hold them under one hundred and fifty yards rushing? We'll see. That might determine the game as well. But and Bo- I think and Boise Boise's has a top too five much of a home field advantage. The it could get into. The 20s, I think it might be able to hit the over. But I think, honestly, in the end, Boise State is going to make enough plays to win this game. Yep, I agree, unfortunately. Because, um, you know, I I love Jay Kaner, dude. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. But, <clears throat> you know, going into Boise State, it's tough. And, and Boise State is one of the best rushing teams in the country now with Taylor Green at quarterback because it adds a whole different dy- dynamic, right? Yeah. He's he's a worse passer than Anthony Richardson, which is crazy to say because Anthony Richardson can't throw the ball for shit. Taylor Green's even worse. But they're so dynamic running the ball that it doesn't even matter, dude. And then on defense, top five in the country against the pass, dude, PPA. Predictive points added. So I like Boise State here. Honestly, I think this one might I, – I think three isn't enough. Like this, It could get ugly. This line should be like five, six. Um, and it it kind of reminds me last year of, like, Nevada with Carson Strong. Like, Carson Strong was, like, him and Romeo Dobbs were, like, that team. And, like, their defense wasn't that good. And it was really, like, them two, like, carrying Nevada throughout the season. Same thing is going to happen here. Although I do think Fresno State's a better team than that Nevada team was last year. And I, do think, and I do think that if Jake Hayner was healthy, this game is being played in Fresno. And we, we could be talking a whole different outcome. But with home field, I mean, you're basically telling me that on a neutral field, Fresno State is a one, two-point favorite over Boise State. I just don't see that because I think Boise State's defense is a hell of a lot better than Fresno State. Exactly. So give me the Boise State Broncos on the blue turf at Albertsons Field. Is there even Albertsons that still exist? 
Yeah, there's plenty of albums. Well, it ain't that many left in SoCal because I think they closed like eight of them, but it's still some that's left. Yeah, man, I haven't seen that Albertsons in forever. Oh, actually, that's a lie, dude. I went to Albertsons the other day. <laughs> they might, it might not be many in Vegas, but it's still a lot in California. It's like the last one standing. All right, let's move on to uh, the American Conference Championship between the Central Florida Knights and the Tulane Green Wave. Mm. This is going to be another a, home game. Yep, yeah, th- this one too is a uh, at a Yulman Stadium in. Uh, New Orleans, Nevada. I mean, New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> um, currently, UCF comes into this game nine and three straight up, seven and five against the spread, five and seven to the over. Tulane is ten and two straight up, ten and two against the spread, six and six to the over. Tulane currently is laying four points at home against UCF. The total is fifty-seven on the money line. Tulane minus a dollar eighty. Central Florida plus a dollar fifty. What do you think about this one? Um, this is another rematch game. Uh, Tulane has the home foot advantage. They've been, ever since they lost to UCF a couple weeks ago, they've been on a hell of a run. They've been blowing teams out. Um, uh, they beat SMU 59-24. to Well, they was beating Cincinnati, but Cincinnati made a comeback, and they won uh, 27-24. But we know what Cincinnati is. They've been hands down the best team in the AAC for the last two years. Yep. Um, U- UCF, I don't know, man, because they've been looking rocky. They lost the Navy, and they barely beat uh, South Florida 46-39, to and they were a 20-point favorite in that game. So I like Tulane to get, um, get some revenge here, especially after losing to them at home 38-31. The problem with that game was they let uh, UCF get momentum early, and Gus Malzahn rolled that all the way to the end of the game. And the defense played uncharacteristically that game. They gave up a lot of yards, which they usually don't do. Yep. Um, That game they gave up – they gave up 468 total yards. They got outgained by over 100 yards. And they gave up um, uh, 336 yards on the ground. Tulane only averages giving up 154. So they damn near double what they gave up on the ground that game. So I think this game is going to be a lot different than the first one. I think I like the under two, but I really like Tulane money line. I think they, uh, I think they cover too. So I think this game is going to be a lot different than what they did the first game. Yeah, at four, I kind of lean UCF just because in a conference mm-hmm. championship type scenario, I think that's just too many points. UCF is also, I mean, they're not like a great defense by any stretch of the imagination, but they are decent at stopping the run. I mean, 56 in predictive points added, 30th in success rate against. So they're not terrible. And like, you know, Tulane isn't out there. They're, they're slinging the ball around, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I definitely think Tulane is a better team. The crazy thing about the American Conference is both of us have Houston winning it. <laughs> Man, and they ain't nowhere near <laughs> the championship <laughs> game. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was just a a dog shit year for Dana Holgerson, to be honest. Yeah, they had a, they have a top, they had a top five um, worst season. Like, yeah, coming into the season, nobody thought Houston was going to be as bad as they was. A hundred percent agree, dude. That was one of probably the one of the ugliest seasons of the year, in my opinion. Um. So with that being said, I mean I'm with you, dude. I I like Tulane here. I I, I stay away from the 
the total just because I think it's uh I think it's about right. It opened at a fifty seven and a half. It's been bet down to fifty six and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't love it. Yeah, um, I don't think this one's gonna be a shootout like the first game was. Yeah, and and if it is if it is a shootout, you probably like UCF to be honest. If it isn't yeah. a shootout, you probably like Tulane. So I mean they kind of correlate with each other, the the total. So I like Tulane here to win. I'm with you, but I, I lean UCF on uh taking the four points. Um, no, it's just a lean for me. I don't love it, so don't take my word for it. Just a lean, UCF plus four. Um, all right, let's move on to our next game. We got the SEC championship between LSU and Georgia. This one's being played in Atlanta, so basically a fucking home game for. Oh no, this is yeah. in New Orleans. Sorry, this is in New Orleans. No, this is in Atlanta. Mercedes Benz Stadium. Mercedes Benz Dome. Yeah, this is in Atlanta. LSU heading into uh, Atlanta to face the Georgia Bulldogs. LSU comes into this game nine and three straight up, seven and five against the spread, six and six to the over. Georgia's twelve and zero straight up, six and six against the spread, four and seven to the over. Currently, Georgia's laying seventeen and a half here in a championship game. The total is fifty two and a half, and on the money line, Georgia minus nine dollars and sixty five cents. Louisiana LSU plus six dollars and five cents. What do you think about this one? This game is either going to be completely ugly or it's going to be a good game. Now, LSU does have some injury concerns coming into the game. I don't know if it was Jaden Daniels' knee or ankle, like he tweaked it against um, A&M, and We're we can tell ankle. that he wasn't moving around the same that he usually does. And I think Harold Perkins got hurt that game too. So we got to – I don't know. I think he finished the game, but he was a little banged up. Uh, we got to see or if those two are no, if not near 100%, then this game is going to get ugly because um, Notre Dame is already missing one of his best is missing his best running back. They've LSU. been doing running back by committee LSU. since he's went out. The it coach moved to insane. LSU, dog. LSU. Yeah, my by LSU. I think his name. I think they lost Emory. His last name is Emory. They lost him, and the running back by committee hasn't been doing good for them since he's been out. Their wide receivers are hit or miss. Even Keyshawn Booty, he's he's supposed to be one of the best running receivers in the country, but he's not had a good year. Well, because his quarterback can't throw the ball very well. Yeah, but he's still yeah, even when he had his opportunities, he's been having drops. He hasn't capitalized on a lot of his um, a lot of his uh, opportunities. Now, on the other hand, you got Georgia who's, I wouldn't say they're clicking on all cylinders, but the offense has been more consistent than it's been most of the year ever since the beginning of the year. And the defense has just stepped up and been starting to play better and better. They not as good as last year, but they're on par with last year. And that's kind of crazy because they had five first-round picks on defense last year. Yep. And the one weakness that they do have on defense, LSU is not going to be able to explore it, and that's their secondary. Yep. So Georgia averages damn near 500 yards of offense a game, and they only give up 270. And if LSU can't run the ball, this game is going to get ugly because then they're going to know for sure that they're going to be able to release those pass rushers. And I don't think Jaden Daniels is going to hold up, but two freshmen started on that offensive line against Georgia's front seven. So I agree. I think this game gets ugly. If LSU could hold it uh, to 10 or under, then I'll respect it more. 
but I can easily see this game getting up to like three or four touchdowns, especially if Georgia starts off fast and LSU can't keep up. The one thing I will say about Georgia is that they seem to like uh, play down to their competition. Not necessarily play down, but I think they just like they Fall don't sleep. Yeah, they don't love to like blow teams out. You know what I mean? But they do in certain scenarios, like they did against Oregon. And I think this could be another scenario because everybody's watching. You know, they did it to Tennessee, too. That was another team where they just, like... Completely just took them out the game. Yeah, they just said, you know, fuck these dudes. 27 (laughs) to 13. I know it was only a 14-point game, but, you know... It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I wouldn't play this game just because 17 and a half is a lot, but there's no way I'm taking LSU in this situation, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I just... I can't do it. Georgia's just too good of a defense. Um, They're... Third or fourth in predictive points added, rushing fifth in success rate, seventh against explosiveness. In the passing game, they're second in predictive points added. I I just don't see any way that LSU can effectively move the ball against this team, even with a healthy uh, Jalen Daniels. I just, I don't see it. Um, Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I do have concerns about Georgia. I don't think their offense is elite by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, because they got Stetson Bennett. And uh, LSU's pass defense is actually pretty decent. You know what I mean? It so, is. So I, I I don't know. But they do struggle covering tight ends, though. No team has really went at them with the tight end besides um, – who was that they played and the tight end killed them? Um, I know Alabama tight end had a good game, but uh, – Damn, I forgot who they played. But, yeah, uh, the middle of LSU's defense in the secondary is the weak spot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're – but can you get to that? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But Georgia can do it. They got well. three NFL tight ends. Yep. No, no, I mean, I'm saying that Georgia's defense, you know what I mean? Like, their weakness is the secondary, but – Oh, yeah. Um, unless they run a lot of play action – and make Georgia respect the run, then that could probably open up the field in the secondary. But as far as Jaden Daniels being able to drop back and be effective from the pocket, I don't think he's going to have enough time. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's move on to the ACC championship. So I think we both got Georgia there. Yeah. Um, ACC championship. We got uh, Clemson at North Carolina. Well, this game is actually on a neutral field. It's a Bank of America stadium. And yeah, it's in Charlotte, right? Yeah, Charlotte, NC. Yeah, so Clemson comes into this game ten and two straight up, six and six against the spread, seven and five to the over. North Carolina nine and three straight up, six and six against the spread, six and six to the over. Um, Clemson currently laying seven and a half points, a total sixty three and a half on the money line. Clemson laying three dollars and five cents. North Carolina uh, plus two forty. What do you think about this game here? Uh, this game is going to come down both teams to coming off quarterback play losses. in both defenses. Now, we've seen that Clemson has a pretty good run game. Their passing game is super hit or miss. I think against South Carolina, DJ was, what, 8 for 29 or he something. Sucks, it, he's just had – he had his, whore, his, mo- his worst day passing the football of his college career against South Carolina. And – and South Carolina 
and um, who did they play before South Carolina? Uh, they played uh, Miami. Um, no, Notre Dame. It was it Notre Dame and South Carolina? Yeah. They exposed Clemson secondary. They, Notre Dame exposed them with the tight end, and South Carolina exposed them with the athletes that they got on the outside. And North Carolina has that same caliber of athlete on the outside, and a top three or four or five wide receiver in all of college football, and Josh Downs who might be a first-round pick, second-round pick for sure. He is one of the best wide receivers in college football. I think he's a Belitnikov finalist too. Yep. So, And they got two good running backs, and they got a good tight end and two more good wide receivers. So Clemson defense is going to get tested at every level. Now, we know they have a great front, um, front four, and they're good against the run. They only give up 100 yards against the run. But North so Carolina can't... don't even run the ball, so <laughs> it don't even well, matter. Yeah, but North Carolina averaged 160 on the ground. So if they could get to 100, 120, somewhere in that range, that'll be good for them. They just want to have some kind of respectable run game yeah. to open up the passing game. Yeah, because so, that's all they need because that'll open up the field for Drake May. And a lot of people have him up there with Caleb for the number one or number two pick in the 2024 draft. Um, honestly, I don't think it's that close, but May is a good QB. He can make all the throws. Yeah. He's sneaky, athletic. So, honestly, I love UNC with the points, but I think the over is going to hit, too, for the basic fact that UNC defense is just not that good. They give up a bunch of pass yards and explosive plays. Yeah, I think seven and a half is a lot, Um, but North Carolina's defense is just so fucking dog shit, dude. It is. Like, I just... uh, I don't know. I'm I'm waiting for this line to get to like seven, six and a half, maybe, and I'll fire on Clemson. I just I don't I don't trust North Carolina's defense, dude. I mean, they haven't been able to you stop shouldn't. anybody. Anybody, you know what I mean? And uh, the last team they stop is Georgia Tech, and we know how terrible that offense is. Yeah, that's one of the worst offenses in the country. So <laughs> I don't know, man. This one. This is another one where I think it could get ugly, dude. I think Clemson could fucking run away with this shit because, you know, Drake May, North North Carolina, we could say all we want about about uh, Clemson's defense, but this is definitely the best defense they've faced all year. It is, besides um, Notre Dame and who else had a good defense that they played against? Uh, did North Carolina play? Oh, yeah, they did play Notre Dame. They lost to Notre Dame 45 to 32. And Duke has a pretty good defense. And, and on, they won that game. And honestly, I think Clemson's going to run the ball down fucking North Carolina's throat, dude. Yeah, I think that's they're going to try to take possessions away and try to limit those possessions. But don't be surprised if this game turns into a shootout. I, I mean, I wouldn't. That's why, like, this one is kind of is tough. But, I, dude, it's just. Clemson's just a better team, dude. They are, but what if, if North Carolina rises to the occasion and that defense plays above their heads for two or three quarters, that'll get that offense enough to, you know, build some momentum and take advantage of Clemson because Bro, who have they risen against to the I'm occasion sorry. against? I'm sorry, man. If if you can block Clemson for two to three sec or for two seconds or enough for your QB to get the ball off, that secondary is just terrible, man. I'm, I don't doubt it, but I mean, North Carolina hasn't beaten anybody. 
They should have beat NC State, but NC State ain't been that good. Uh, I think their NC best victory hella, of the year is They're missing like four of their best against, players. Well, they beat Wake Forest. Their best win is Appalachian State, dude. <laughs> Appalachian State, yeah, but that was sixty-three to sixty-one. That was a that was a damn barn burner. But Clemson's defense way better than App State. Yeah, they beat Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Yeah. I mean, dude, they just. Yeah, I don't me. know, bro, but Drake May is a good QB. So it's Clemson, I, I they agree. struggled against Spencer Rattler, bro. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, Rattler has all the talent in the world, dude. And so does Drake May. Yeah, but I'm... I, I, honestly, I think Clemson kind of overlooked uh, South Carolina. I mean, it's inexcusable to lose that game, to be honest, but... I don't know, man. Give me how could uh, they, why could they? How could they overlook them and know knowing if they lost to them, they playoff hopes are done. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a bad loss, dude. There's no way to put it. And it just showed you that this team has been overrated by the rankings all year long because even before those these last two losses that they got in a row, we could argue they should have lost two more games before this. Yeah, so, I I think that's like a- you said. I think that's the problem with preseason rankings, dude, is that they are always so far off. And then from the rest of the year, you're adjusting to those preseason rankings. So, like, if you have Clemson number four to begin the year, right, and then they lose to, you know, a top 25 team, you're not dropping them out of the top 25, right? So that's the biggest problem with preseason rankings, man. That's why I've always been an advocate against them. I mean, we look at this year, dude, like, Alabama was the favorite to win the title, dude. And now they're yeah, they probably were, they were minus to win the title. <laughs> and now they're probably not even gonna be in the college football playoff, right? Yeah. You know, people predicted the college football playoff to basically be Alabama, Georgia, uh, and then most people had Texas winning the Big Twelve and Ohio State. Now Ohio State's not getting in. Texas is fucking they have no fucking chance. Yeah. Preseason rankings are they're meaningless because it's all based on what's on paper, and we don't know how everything's going to play out until it actually fucking plays out, right? And that's the problem. And and the AP, uh, you know, they suck. Like they don't know how to actually, you know, vote on teams. The coaches, you know, if you're on the East Coast, I doubt nice. you're watching West Coast games on. Yeah, especially Pac-12 after dark. Yeah, nobody's watching these games, so. It's like every year, dude, the Pac-12 is, is and West Coast teams in general, they're always shit, they always get shot on, and then in bowl season, they always st- they always rise up to the occasion. Everyone's like, well, damn, you know, Arizona State's good. It's like, yeah, bro, you just didn't watch them. You know what I mean? And everybody, you know, everybody every year, Pac-12 beats up on each other usually, right? And it's like, oh, well, the Pac-12 isn't good. There's all just a bunch of dog shit teams and then they go and they fucking win they go like six and three in bowl season you know what i mean it's just like preseason rankings are just they're hilarious to me dude and we should do away with them and that's why we need a 12 team playoff dude that's yeah. exactly why eight to 12 teams would have been always been perfect yeah because you actually get teams in there and to be honest like Everybody that's an advocate against the twelve team playoff, they all they always go like, "Well, every year, you know, Alabama or Georgia is going to win." Okay, sure, they're the best team, but it's any given Saturday or Sunday or Friday or whenever you want to play the games, right? Like anybody can win those games. You know what I mean? And this year is like the perfect example, dude. Like this would be a great scenario for the college football playoff. 
Because you got you legitimately got a handful of teams or two handfuls of teams that could that could compete. Exactly. The whole top ten could pretty much beat each other. It's gonna be awesome, man. It's gonna be, even the college football playoff, dude, like you know, I was looking uh I was I was trying to predict these lines earlier and it's like if Georgia played USC one versus four, what would you have Georgia? Uh, what would you have the line at? On a neutral field, it's probably going to be seven to ten points. Hell no! It's like it's going to be more than that. It's like fifteen and it's a probably half. Gonna be, it's probably going to be fourteen, honestly. Fifteen and a half. I would pound crazy. USC plus fifteen against anybody. <laughs> I would too, but, but it goes into the simple. It goes into the fact that I was talking about earlier. He's like, you know, with USC, it's an it's an anomaly because they have the best quarterback in the country. You know, and like you can't count that kind of shit out unless they're playing for like, you know, a, like a terrible fucking team. But USC is not a terrible team. Like they have talent, mm-hmm. so it, it it changes everything. But I, the transfer portal changes everything, Irvin. Like. It truly does, dude. It's definitely going to change a lot this offseason. Yeah, it is. It's going to be crazy. Um, let's talk about the Big Big Ten Championship, and then and then we'll we'll get out of here. Um, we got Purdue at Michigan. This is going to be fucking just the worst game ever. Um, Purdue eight and four straight up, five and seven against the spread, seven and five to the over. Michigan twelve and zero straight up, seven four and one against the spread, four and eight to the over. Uh, Purdue currently laying or catching seventeen. I'm sorry, catching seventeen. The total is at fifty two. Purdue on the money line plus five seventy five. Michigan minus seventeen, laying minus eight ninety five on the money line. Aiden O'Connell not expected to play. Uh, <laughs> this game is gonna be ugly, bro. This is gonna be. Do we know that Aiden O'Connell is not playing for sure? Um. Well, they said he was a, a questionable slap. From what I saw on Twitter, I've seen, I say, I've seen anywhere from questionable to doubtful to a game-time decision. And I don't know if it's – I think it's a calf or an ankle injury, something. If he doesn't play, but, dude, this oh – if, if he doesn't play this line – but the line is still holding at 17, so he might play. Yeah, but still, because, I don't, are you giving him a tri- chance? No, nah, even if he plays, even – this game is going to probably be like 42 to 3. <laughs> 42 to 10 something like that like this game is going to get ugly now Michigan might be down a defensive lineman because I seen one of the linemen got arrested for some October 7th incident yeah he uh, got carried but even, got arrested for concealing mm-hmm. a weapon oh yeah then yeah, he probably won't play this game but man it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be ugly bro I don't see this game being close at all even without Blake Quorum, Michigan went into the horseshoe and just dismantled Ohio State. Like that game got ugly, ugly. Yeah, and, I, and nobody was expecting that. They haven't beat Ohio State at Ohio State since two thousand. I was ten years old when that happened. The crazy thing is, is like Purdue's defense is actually kind of decent, dude. Like it not- is, but the one thing about their defense, they can't rush the passer, and that's not going to help you against Michigan. At all, yeah. because we've seen—I don't know if McCarthy gonna have ever have another game like that in his life, but he absolutely picked Ohio State secondary apart. 
But Jeff and Brom, though, every single season, Irving, he has a big upset. And he hasn't had one this season. I get it, but he's not getting it this week, bro. I'm sorry. This Purdue team is not. If if, if O'Connell was 100%, I would definitely pick him to cover the 17. But Michigan is playing at a high level right now. And they only give up 12 points a game. And the only thing I will, the only thing I will say is that, you know, Michigan probably should have lost to Maryland. Um, You know, it took a weird fucking muffed kickoff to start the game. And uh, Maryland can't stop the run. Purdue can stop the run. They are good against the run. They are, 37th in predictive points added against the run, 36th in success rate against the run. They did shut down Minnesota's rush game, which is very good rush game with Ever- yeah. uh, Muhammad. And- but the last time they faced a defense on the level of Michigan was Iowa. And you know what the final score was in that game? True. Good point. 24-3. I think they barely over- had over 20 yards of offense versus – Iowa, yeah, and Michigan has way better pass wrestlers, a better secondary, and better linebackers. But so, do they have a better secondary? Because I mean, Maryland was picking them apart, dude. Little Tua was picking those motherfuckers apart. Yeah, but Little Tua is a beast. Low so key, is Aiden Connell. And he has easily one of the top four or five recruiting uh, court re- wide receiver corps in the in the, in the NCA, and their tight end is no joke either. So Purdue doesn't have that at all. Yeah, I mean, I just I I have a feeling producing to find a way to just hang in this game, dude. Nah, I don't see it at all, especially on a neutral field. Maybe if they was at home and they got that home cooking and that home juice, I'm maybe gonna, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Purdue just to be a contrarian, dude. They finna get their ass railroaded. I'm sorry. Nope, this is the contrarian play of the week. And if and if and if Aiden O'Connell can't play the whole game, it's gonna get real bad. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Purdue. That's gonna be my contrarian play of the week. Michigan only allows 177 yards on passing and 84 on the ground. It's cra- it's crazy to think that fucking Maryland did better on the road at Michigan than Ohio State did against Michigan at home. And the only reason why Maryland lost that game because of that fumble on the kickoff. <laughs> yep. Wait, he, he I think he hit his helmet and he oh yeah that was Yeah, it hit him in the face that, mask, dude. That was horrible. That was like one of the worst turnovers I ever seen. To start game. the game, dude, and the Michigan had the ball fucking at the five yard line to start the fucking game, dude, basically. That's kinda like when Reggie Bush pitched it back versus Texas, like what was what the fuck was Reggie thinking? Dog shit. <laughs> Why are you bringing that shit up? Because I had to think about some of the worst turnovers I ever seen in my lifetime, and that's one of them. That one was definitely one of Why? Because Maryland would have won that game, and then we're talking about a whole different fucking situation. Exactly. They lost by seven, and they left 14 points on the field. Terrible. Purdue ain't Maryland. This game is not going to be close. It might be close the first half. I'll say Michigan goes into the locker room like 21-10 or 21-7. But after that, it's going to get ugly. All right. Let's go, y'all. Let's get some best bets, Irv. Um, my best bet. Two of them. Two of them. Give me two. Give me two. Give me two. I like USC to cover the two, the minus two point five, and I also like uh, give me Michigan. No, 
Give me North Carolina plus seven and a half. All right. I'm going Boise State minus three on the blue turf. And then I'm going Purdue plus 17 and a half. Contrarian play of the week. Let's go. I <laughs> think it's ass whooped. Bro, hey, they're going to cover that shit. Maybe okay. even win outright. I'm gonna throw like ten dollars on the on the money line just because if I if it hits, dude, that's like fucking sixty bucks right there, dude. All right, you know what I mean. So whatever, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit, a little something, something. Uh, I just want to see chaos, dude. That's what I want to see. That's not happening. <laughs> now Maryland could have won the West. Wait, is it Maryland in the West? Uh, Maryland is in the East, dude. Oh damn! I wish they was in the West. They would have won. They probably would have won the West. I know. Yeah, we probably could have seen some chaos. Then we would have definitely seen some chaos, man. Hey, but uh, our we both predicted Purdue to win the Big Big Ten West. Came to fruition. Took a a, a lot. You know, it wasn't pretty at any point, but it, it happened. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us um, throughout this college football season. This was a fucking ton of fun, dude. Irvin and I talked about doing this last spring, about doing a college football show. Um, we're gonna, we'll definitely be doing college bowls um, as we move on through the weeks, Maybe for sure. Day, we'll yeah, we'll be, we'll be talking yeah. about college football news throughout the off season. Um, but we're really gonna be starting to focus on on hoops moving forward. So definitely tune in. You know, every Wednesday we're gonna be talking a lot of different sports, a lot of different news, a lot of shit that goes on into the betting world. Um, really excited, man! Just such an awesome season, man! I I really had fun doing this, dude. College football, college football, and college hoops is has a special place in my heart, man. So I I, I want to thank you, Irvin, for for you know joining me on this ride, and uh, it's been fun, man. I'm looking forward to continuing it. Keep on building. Keep on rolling. Let's Let's go, baby. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back on Sunday night to uh, recap uh, NFL week. uh, Shit, what week are we on? 13 now? NFL week 13. We set our our record tonight for the first time ever. Yeah, first time ever. (laughs) Me, Irvin, and Ben all agreed on a game, and it it ended up hitting, dude. Exactly. Ben took the under, and me and Jordan both took the Bills to cover, and it happened. It, it hit. Let's go. <laughs> so everybody have a have a blessed weekend, man. Let's let's win some fucking money. Follow Irvin on Twitter at Swerving Irvin TSP. Follow myself at Jordan Rules TSP. We appreciate y'all so much. Uh, like, subscribe on YouTube. Hit us up on Twitch, Twitch.tv/slash Taproom Sports. Please five star, man. Hit us up. Let's go. We'll see y'all on Sunday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Merry Christmas, happy holidays.